If you have your Bible, turn to uh, John chapter 10. It's early days in the life of uh, Redemption Hills Church. And so we're still at the point of creating the cultures. You know, every organization, every group of people have certain cultures or heart values. And so we get to actually create those. It's kind of like leaven in bread or what is that culture that they have in yogurt? Something. It's a culture. But it permeates it all, and it, it has an impact. And so we get to establish those. And that's what I want to be speaking into uh, for the next few weeks, myself and Tim and Steve. Uh, but in John chapter 10, actually, let's just pray before we do that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lead us into all truth. We want to open our hearts to you. Thank you that you're not limited to what I say or do, but that you're greater than that. And we ask that you would speak. Thank you that you've spoken. Thank you for your presence and worship. But we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 10 says, The thief comes to kill and to destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I've heard a lot of teaching on that through the years as I've been in church, and it almost always focuses on our life, which is one of the applications, but there's something of the life of God that he came to, to bring as well. Uh, when we, Mary and I visited here in September, and we were praying about whether or not God actually wanted us to be a part of the church that he was wanting to establish here, and we had a prayer time, and we had some pastors from over the mainland who came to join us, and Dale and Angela were, were some of those, and a couple other pastors and their wives, and in this little meeting, it was Tim and, and uh, Kate and Steve and Barb and Taryn. Just as an aside, this isn't my sermon, but uh, this aside, we were praying about whether or not we should come here, and we hadn't actually heard from God. And on Monday, we met on Tuesday night, and on Monday, Mary was communicating with her sister who was praying for us, and she said, I just feel like God says you're going to have a dream tonight. So she, Mary went to bed, and she actually had a dream, but it wasn't, didn't seem significant to her. She didn't even tell me the next day. But she dreamt I was just standing talking to this woman, and she was at this point where she could see who the woman was very clearly. And then the next night, uh, when these guys came together to pray with us, the first person to come was Taryn, and Mary said, do I know you? And they said, no, no, she was the woman in my dream. Saw her very clearly. Had never met her before that. That's an aside. But while we were praying that night, we were just seeking God. And Tim and Kate had told us that uh, someone that they knew had referred to themselves as the walking dead. They were going through the motions but didn't have any real life of God. And that night, while we were praying, one of the other pastors said, you know, I, I feel like God's giving me this picture, and it's kind of weird. And so I hope you have grace for me, because he said, I see kind of like zombies, like the walking dead, coming to life. And uh, since that point, we've probably had three or four other churches around the world have praying for us, have had some sort of prophetic word or something God said about that, and Ezekiel 37, which is dry bones, which is the same thing. And so I want to actually focus on that this morning. So turn with me to Ezekiel 37. 
more than just a scripture, something I think God was saying to us as a people and to us as a church as we lay the foundations and the cultures, something he wants to do. From verse 1, And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O God, O Lord God, you know. I found it interesting. I was reading this. He doesn't ask Ezekiel, why are these bones here? Why are these dry bones here? Why are these bones dry? Seems like we tend to want to go to the why. Why is this happening? Why, why is this situation? God just skips all that and goes right to how do we bring life again, which is wonderful. I just really love that. The other thing I see here is that, uh, I'll get to that in just a second. I'm going to jump ahead of myself. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Probably a smart answer. I think I would have said, are you crazy? <laughs> but you're talking to God. So he can do amazing things. And so he said, yeah, I don't want to say no. I don't really have faith for yes. So I'm going to simply say, okay, God, you can do this. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Interesting, God says what he's going to do. This is God initiating this. This isn't Ezekiel saying, God, look at these dry bones. Don't you want to do something? He was simply responding to the Holy Spirit, which we'll get into at a, another date. But I just want to point that out. God could have just done it. Why didn't he just do it? He actually says to Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy this. God says what he's going to do, and then Ezekiel just actually repeats what God said. And then God does it. Why didn't God just do it? Because he actually chooses to partner with us. It's an amazing thing, and we'll cover that in three or four weeks. I want to preach everything all at once. <laughs> so I prophesied as I was commanded. All he did was obey. And I prophesied, and there was a noise, and suddenly I'm rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Interesting picture is that there's just this collection of bones, and then something happens, and there's order that comes. And there's flesh, and there's muscle, and all that stuff, but there's still no life. Sometimes I think... Uh, we, we can live in a place where we've got all the order, all the things we should do, and we're fulfilling all the, the commands or the rules, but there's no life. Maybe that's you this morning. God's still in the life-giving business. There was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived. 
and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. The breath, that word breath, most of you would know, is in the Hebrew means breath, wind, or spirit. There's actually a play on words here. He's actually talking about God's spirit. And we know that because we'll see it in verse 14. But he's actually speaking about life coming into these bones that have come to the place of order and they've got everything there necessary, but they have no, no life yet. And so he prophesies breath of life come into them and they lived. Life came into them. As Mary shared this morning, she was raised in a church. I was as well. And I find it interesting how often we can go through all the motions but without life. But life came into them. I feel like that possibly there's some here this morning that don't have that life. I went to church for 14 years before I met Jesus. I learned a lot of good things. I learned a lot about Jesus. But I have to be honest, I didn't know. Maybe I'm just slow. Mary's a brother. They were raised in a church, and he got saved when he was in his 60s. And again, God just pursues us. You don't ask why. He just says, okay, I'm ready to give life. And it says... They lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. I love that part because this is actually talking about the kingdom of priests. This is talking about all of us led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, advancing the kingdom together. One of the things we're going to touch in a few weeks, but there's something that is the privilege of every believer to be partnering with God in what he's doing. You want purpose in your life? There's no greater purpose than partnering with God in what he's doing in the earth today. It has changes lives, but it also has eternal ramifications. How often do people say, what's my purpose? What's life about? Let me tell you, this is what it's about. So often we get caught up in things that are temporal. And they're not bad. Providing for our family is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if that's the only thing we live for, we have so little purpose. There's so much more. Have you ever felt like an observer, observer and not a participant in the kingdom? You feel like, oh, you just go and watch. I feel like God's wanting to resurrect some things today. For some of us, ministries that have died or promises that have withered, God wants to resurrect something by his spirit. He goes on and he says, verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and brought you up from your graves. God's talking about something of resurrection life. Something of his spirit moving within us, not only for us individually, but for us as a church. We want a foundation where that's what happens. And then he sums it all up with this. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land, the place where you belong, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. The whole thing of dry bones 
is about the Spirit of God. It's about living life led and empowered by the Spirit of God. See, we can go through all the motions and do all the right things, but if we don't have the life of God, it can actually drain us. And we end up tired and dry and hurt. How many people I've met around the world hurt? They've done all the right things, but there was just no life. And they end up wandering away from Jesus. And there's a call resounding in the world today for people to come back into intimacy with him. But see, this pouring out my spirit upon you, Jesus picks up in John 7, 37, where he says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It actually says on the last day of the, the uh, feast, it was the Feast of Tabernacles, which took place for a whole week. And every day in that feast, there was a procession like a parade. And they went from the t- to the temple and they carried some water and they poured it out kind of as a symbolic prophetic word of something that would happen in the future. And on the last day when they're doing that, Jesus stands up in the midst and says, if you follow me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke about the Spirit. Again, a uh, theme common throughout the Bible. But in Isaiah 41, from verse 17, He says, the poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. So God sees the need, and then he responds, I, the Lord, will will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle, the oil uh, tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree, the pine, and the box tree together. They may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. I don't know about the trees. I've looked those up. haven't got anything except that what i found is that they don't grow in the same place. And none of them grow in the desert. But God said he's going to take them. I think this is a reference again to a kingdom of priests. People with different personalities and different gifts that he puts in the same place. And then because he pours out his spirit, there's something of a coming together, which we'll talk about into the future. How do I know this is about the spirit? Because over in chapter 44, verse 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Referring back to chapter 41, he says, and floods on the dry ground, I will pour my spirit on your descendants. Wonderful thing God's saying. Three points I want to make. And then we're going to finish. Could be quick or could not be quick. <laughs> Ingredients for the life of God. Based on these scriptures, three things I want to point out to us. For us individually, but for us as a church. Ingredients for the life of God. The first is God's presence. The Holy Spirit. The first ingredient in our life, but in our life as a church that we need is the presence of God. We want to create a culture and an atmosphere where people can come in and not just find good people, but find the actual presence of God. 
Moses says in Exodus 33, from verse 14, God's talking about Israel and leading them up. They've actually sinned and they've created a, a, an idol and God says he doesn't want to judge them so he's going to send his angel and lead them out. And Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. Because what makes us different from every other people in the world is your presence. See, it's not the sincerity of our belief. It's not how uh, loving we are. It's not how we care for people. It's actually God's presence that makes us different. And that's why it's got to be our hunger and thirst for the presence of God. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks pursuing that as we talk about worship and as we talk about the, uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I just want to lay a, a introduction this morning. But let me encourage you, this applies to us, but it applies to you. Do you have a hunger for the presence of God? Or have you missed out on that? Have you settled for Christian religion? Good things. Good rules to live by. And missed out on the very presence of God. Jesus said something amazing in John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and the Son whom you've sent. And know in the Greek is an experiential word. It's the same word translated from the Hebrew where it talks about intimacy and marriage, and Adam knew his wife. And so he's talking about something of intimacy with God. First ingredient is the presence of God. Second ingredient is God's pattern, his word. We want to build our lives on his word, his pattern. He has a way of doing things for us, but also for us as a church. Someone once asked a friend of mine, which is more important, the spirit or the word? And my friend's response I thought was fantastic. He said, uh, when you're flying in an airplane, which is more important, the left wing or the right wing? Which one can you do without? See, the reality is you can't fly in a plane without both wings. The reality is we can't live in the presence of God without the Spirit and the Word. Some think it's, oh, if I just have the Word. And that's where we end up getting dry because the Word without the Spirit dries us up. But the Spirit without the Word, people blow up. They go crazy. And we need both. We need the balance so we, we fly. And then thirdly, we've got God's presence God's pattern, and then God's priests. Priests. Did I say that right? The Bible teaches us that all saints, believers, are a kingdom of priests. See, God could have just spoken the word himself, but he actually chose to partner with Ezekiel. God chooses to partner with us. And as we together, led and empowered by the Spirit, pursue the presence of God and build on the word. There's something of God's life released. And we need all of us because we want the life of God. We don't just want to be a nice church. I don't want my life to just be a nice life. I don't want to be a, a nice guy. I want the presence of God more than anything else. So how do you respond to that? 
Again, we're laying foundations and cultures. We want a culture of being responders to the word, not just hearers. And so I'm going to tell you how to respond because what I've learned over the years is that most pastors speak theory and then they expect people will take that and apply it to their life and only about 5% of people ever do. Everyone else hears it and they say, oh, that was a great word. So I'm going to help you respond. How do you do that? Commit yourself first to have a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God in your life. Hold this accountable in worship. See, worship is about the presence of God. It's not just about singing songs we like. Tim's actually going to share next week on worship in the presence of God. Or something. <laughs> I just determined what he was going to preach next. No. So we have to have a hunger and a thirst. When God sees that their people are thirsty, he responds. He says, I will pour out. And so there's something of God's partnering with us that he responds when we have a hunger. See, too often we just kind of go through life kind of passive. And, well, whatever happens, happens. But you ever know people get passionate about something? Whether it's model airplanes or my dad was into trains. He had a train room. I built a house. This is actually my stepdad. My dad died when I was young. My stepdad and my mom and my stepdad still live on a five-acre property. And they're 92 and 94. They maintain most of that. But for years, my dad had a huge barn, and in the back was a big room that was his train room. And he literally built everything. He had a passion for trains. He has a passion for Jesus, too. But he has a passion for trains. But you ever know people have a passion for something? That, you know, that's, that's what they focus on. Do you have a passion for the presence of God? Or is it kind of a passion? Well, you know, if, if, if the Holy Spirit's manifest at church, that's cool. A friend of mine once said, what a difference the church will be when instead of having people who come to get filled, we have filled people who come together. A kingdom of priests. So that leads me to my second response. First response is have a hunger and thirst for the presence of God. Second response is be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a choice that we make to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend some more time talking about that in a couple weeks, the filling of the Holy Spirit. But again, it has to be our desire. No, no passivity. And lastly, and this is what I wanted to focus on this morning, we have to live again. No dry bones. There's something of the life of God that he wants to resurrect some things. I'm going to ask you if you'd bow your head. Not because it's more spiritual to bow your head, and I don't want you to fall asleep, but I just don't want you to be distracted by anyone else. There's a time when we actually meet with God. And I felt God was saying that there's some people here and some, some things have died that he wants to resurrect. Some ministries in the Holy Spirit that he's wanting to bring to life. Some promises that have withered. Something that 
just hasn't connected in you. Maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll give you a chance in the next few weeks. But more than anything, there's something of the life of God. And so I found that over the years, there's, there's something as we respond and say, God, I feel like you're speaking to me. And if there's something specific that you feel like God's speaking to you, something of the Spirit bringing to life or something that's withered, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand so I can pray for you. And that's why I want everyone's head bowed so that no one's feeling intimidated. But there's something of God offering life again. God saying, I will pour my spirit upon you, and you'll live. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you that we don't have to just go through the motions, but we can actually partner with you to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, thank you that you're breathing life again. Your word for us as a church, spoken to us, but spoken from all over the world, was that you wanted to bring dry bones, the walking dead, back to life again. And Lord, we want to be a place where people can meet your presence and your life. We realize we can't bring life to people. Only you can. So we say we want the life of God. We want the presence, we want the pattern, we want to be the priests. Oh Lord, we ask that you would bring resurrection. Resurrection life, where things look like they've crumbled, where things aren't in the right place. Lord, for those who even are doing all the right things and going through all the right motions, but there's no breath, we say, Holy Spirit, will you breathe your breath? I'm going to ask uh, Tim and the worship guys to come, and we're going to close with a song that's kind of become our default anthem because it actually speaks from this portion of Scripture. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with us as we finish, and just let this be your prayer. It actually says, breathe on me, breath of God. And let it be our prayer that God would breathe on us, even today.